0: Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. So awesome, so awesome. You guys are ready for the word? I want you to do me a big, huge favor and go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And we'll be reading through verse 18. And then we will conclude. I decided this morning, as you go to Ephesians chapter 6, to, we're a declaring church. Somebody say, we're a declaring church. I loved what Benjamin just said a second ago. He said, what you declare will come. And so I want to adopt um, a new habit of us. I'm not going to ask you to stand. Um, (laughs) All the Catholics say, oh, no, just kidding. Um, I want to make it a habit before we open the word of God to simply to declare over our hearts. Um, So I want you to repeat after me. If you have... Your iPhone, or if you have your old hard copy Bible like I love to have. You never usually catch me without my Bible. It's either in my truck or somewhere nearby in my office. I used to be a little bit religious about it, if you will, and carry my little New Testament in my pocket. I I graduated now. I'm old-souled. But if you have your Bible, I want you to hold it up, including uh, if it's your app on your phone. I want you to say this after me. I want you to hold your Bible high up in the air. I want you to say this. This is the infallible, undisputed, and inerrant Word of God. I open up my heart, my mind, spirit, and soul to receive from its truths. God, I thank you that fruit will abound to my account as a result of reading. Hearing and applying your word to every area of my life in Jesus' name. How many believe that? Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And it says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Look at somebody and say, this fight is not against you. Look at somebody else and say, this fight is not against you. But it's against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day. Having done all to stand, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, Taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. I love the fact that it doesn't say some. Everybody say all. All All the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplications with all of the saints. Everybody say amen to the reading of the word. As I began to prepare this message, uh, it did not come with, it was not devoid of much trembling, to say the least. Um, Truth be told, it's a little bit strenuous, and I'll tell you why. Because these particular scriptures are anything but Today In today's church, everybody say today's day. In today's day, these type of scriptures are not the most friendly scriptures. It's very easy for me to come up on a Sunday morning and to tell you three points on how to get your finances right and how God is going to bless you and how your marriage is about to turn around and maybe even sing a little song. I came out of the gospel church late in the midnight hour. God's going to turn it around. Come on. She knows what I'm talking about. It's easy to get up here and communicate and exhort you and tell you on all the miraculous things God is about to do in your life. Amen? Amen. This is not one of those messages this morning. If you want an exhorting message. You might want to come back next week. Today, I'm going to address probably the most difficult topic there is to address. I believe in the Bible. It's going to point the finger at the devil. I almost called this message "No More Sheets." You know, there was this movie that came out. It was, I think, it was called uh, Fifty Shades of Gray. Maybe I should have called it No More Gray. I don't, I don't know. But I, I really want to take this opportunity this morning to point at some specific areas of you and my life and address where the enemy has been working without us even knowing it. I, it. It amazes me how many people go to church and they get discouraged when they hit hard times, as if you don't have an adversary. It, it amazes me how many people are surprised at the fact that they, when they love Jesus, they serve Jesus, attend church at least twice a month. (laughs) I was telling my friend the other day, I said, I can count on five fingers, literally, in the past 15 years I've missed a service. Don't ask me why. It's not because I don't like to travel. I just love the house of the Lord. How many love the house of the Lord? But you can be a Bible-carrying, tongue-talking Christian who's in church every single Sunday and hell breaks loose in your life. And it's not because of happenstance. I'm shocked that we become shocked that we go through trials and tribulations. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it. And and I love what this this verse says when it starts off. It starts off with this famous word finally. Everybody say finally. I didn't really get that because that word finally, it really means, it, it, it gives the connotation that he, he's he been waiting to get to this. He's been waiting to talk to you about this. As I begin to digress over the weekend, uh, looking at Ephesians, I went to Ephesians 5, I went to Ephesians 4, and then I went to 3 because I was trying to figure out, okay, what, what were you finally trying to get to? Everybody with me? And I started reading all these uh, topics that he was addressing—I mean, very light topics that I felt would be really good at drawing people and getting people to come to your church. It's not like Ephesians six is like a seeker-friendly verse. If you want to get doctors and lawyers to come to your church, I, I, I don't recommend that you teach on spiritual warfare. <laughs> you might run some people off. You go talking about the devil. We are not one of those churches who do not who do not believe in hell. We are not one of those churches who do not believe that we have an adversary, the devil. Amen? And so he begins to address these topics like Christ our peace. Doesn't that, that sound wonderful? That was found in Ephesians chapter 3, Christ our peace. We want to hear about peace. I know that we all are going through situations and circumstances in our life where we too need some peace. Look at somebody and say, you know you need peace right now. He talks about Christ, our cornerstone, love to hear messages like that, like everything else is movable, but Christ is our cornerstone. He, and these are, all these topics that I'm mentioning are all headings inside the Bible. They're at the top, you know, each heading or each topic, he changes it. He begins to talk about the new man, talking about walking in unity. Do not grieve the spirit. Don't quench the spirit of God. Talks about walking in love. How many would love? We heard that message last week. Walking in love, walking in wisdom, walking in light children and parents, and then he gets to this famous word, finally, as if he's, as if he's anxious to get to this thing. What I took from that is, is okay, I set all that to say, and you're going to get there. You're going to walk in peace. You're going to walk in love. You're going to walk in unity and joy and all these other things that I've just mentioned, but not before you dress up for the battle. Did, did you hear what I said? You can't can't get all the the foofy stuff, the love stuff, and the things that bring you butterflies in your stomach in your walk with the Lord until you adequately dress up with the the armor of God that will adequately prepare you for the fight that you're about to face. In other words, if you want to get to Z, you're gonna have to go through A, B, C first. I love the fact that people talk about mountaintops, but they forget the verse in Psalms chapter 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. We always talk in church these days, seeker-friendly churches, we talk about mountaintops, but very little of the time do we talk about the valleys that God uses to develop us, not to mention the enemy who he allows to be loosed in our lives at times to train us for the battle so that we won't lose out on the blessing or lose the blessing when we get it. Because if it takes something to get to a blessing, it takes something to keep it. And so he tells, he's talk, He talks about this word, finally, I want to read this verse in chapter uh, 3, verse 1 in 2 Timothy, and he says, But know this, in the last days perilous times will come, for men will become lovers of themselves. Hmm, sounds a little bit like today. Lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, cursing God, disobedient to parents. Hmm. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God just turn on the news. Don't even have to read your Bible. Just turn on the news. You see women who are driving their kids into lakes and and, and, and husbands beating their wives and uh, kids murdering parents. And we look at all this chaos globally on everything that's going on and just, just turn on the news and it'll give you kind of a brief. And, and all of this onslaught that I think we're seeing of evil on the earth is far too subtle and sinister, in my opinion, to be of human origin. Can I suggest to you that we are in a spiritual battle, that there is a war going on in the heavenlies that we cannot see with our eyes, but it's happening right now as we speak. There's angels that are fighting on your behalf. You may not know it, but maybe you were supposed to be in an accident this morning, but an angel of the Lord stepped in. Why? Because the enemy is after us. He's after our demise. He's after setting traps for our lives. Why is that? Because so he doesn't, he doesn't want us to reach our ultimate destiny and our purpose for Christ in the earth. Look at somebody and say, you're here for a reason. Look at somebody else and say you're here for a purpose. I get nervous doing that when churches are so empty because you never know if somebody's going to miss somebody and look and see an empty seat. One day I'll preach. I'll, I'm going I'm to say that in the pulpit when the church grows and gets to exponential point where I, where I'm going. Anyway, I thought that was kind of funny. I thought about that this morning. The title of this message this morning is the reason for the fight. The reason for the fight. Everybody say the reason for the fight. There is a reason, there is a particular reason why you are going through what you're going through. That, that may look like sickness in your body this morning. That may look like some financial deficit that you're facing. That may address maybe some mental issues that you're going through. A thought process, negative thinking that, is, that you're, going, you're going through a battle here. You may not be going through a battle externally. How many know that there's more people going through battles internally than externally? I want to suggest to you that the enemy is out to defame God in your life. That's right. He wants to rob God of the credit that is due to him. If God was created for, uh, excuse me, if we were created to worship God, then what would be the best way that the enemy would want to address our lives and create chaos in our lives? What better, would, what better method would he want to use than other than you know knocking our faith out from under our feet in regards to defaming God, he wants to discredit God in your life. That's one of his main goals. Listen to this. If you are a praying person, Satan's ultimate goal is to see that your prayers remain unanswered. (laughs) We oftentimes sit here and say, God, why aren't you answering my prayer? Friend, did you forget Ephesians chapter 6? Put on the full armor of God that you might be able to stand. In other words, he's saying there's a chance you may not be able to. If you don't dress in the full armor of God, there may be a chance that you don't get through this season of your life unless you dress properly, spiritually, and fight the good fight of faith. Why, because if we don't, because ultimately Satan's goal is to discredit God in your life. He doesn't wanna see that loved one saved that you're praying for. He doesn't wanna see you overcome that sickness in your life. He doesn't want you to overcome that mental blockage that you're facing in your mind. If you're needing financial breakthrough, Satan will use weapons against your finances. Do you understand that? He will see to it that he'll cause you to lose your job. He'll create chaos on your job. This is why we got to be a praying people. This is why we got to plead the blood. When I walk into an atmosphere, I don't care where I am. I'm pleading the blood. I'm pleading the blood. There was, was no offense, I was praying over this facility this morning because last night there was a a wedding going on. Nothing wrong with a wedding. I was at a wedding myself last night. But when I walked on that property, the first thing, people may call me spiritual, first thing I did when I walked on the property, plead the blood. When I walk into an atmosphere, the first thing I'm doing is pleading the blood. I'll sometimes have to put my, mouth, my hand up near my mouth so people don't see I'm praying. They don't think I'm crazy talking to you know, Fred, my imaginary friend. I'm praying over that facility. I'm breaking some things off. I'm pleading the precious blood of Jesus over my kids so they're not susceptible to certain things. We are spiritual beings having an earthly experience. Did I say that right? We are spiritual beings having an earthly experience, not earthly beings having a spiritual one. That's right. We are spiritual beings first. So the first thing I do is I dress my kids in the armor of God. There is not one day that ever goes by that I don't lay my hands on my kids and plead the precious blood of Jesus over them. Why? The precious blood of Jesus cleanses. It protects. It, it, it creates an umbrella over the atmosphere of your home. I walk through my house and I'm pacing through and my wife's like, honey, where are you at? I'm pleading the blood. I'm going over the doorpost. I'm pleading the blood. It just takes about three minutes. I'm just walking through my house, creating an atmosphere for God to want to dwell in my home so that the enemy has no place or power. If there's dysfunction going on in your home, don't sit back and let the enemy just cause dysfunction between you and your husband or you and your spouse or whatever it might be. Don't let him create chaos on your job. Plead the blood. Don't allow him to create chaos in your friendships and relationships. Don't allow bitterness and unforgiveness to cause you to divide long-term relationships. Plead the blood and choose to forgive. This is spiritual warfare at its best. Somebody say plead the blood. Because the the enemy who has been assigned to our life is always looking out to defame God in our life. And he is masterful, let me tell you, at setting circumstances up. He's masterful. He is somebody say he's masterful, but God is smarter. And when you're filled with the Spirit of God, guess what the Bible says? We too have the mind of Christ. That's not arrogance. That's called Godfidence. That's what Todd White said. I'm just quoting Todd White. Somebody said, God-fidence. Godfidence. Having confidence in God. When you're filled spil- with the Spirit of God, we should think like God thinks. And w- the way I believe that God operates is when He's in an atmosphere, He's thinking, how can this be resolved? He's all about setting up His kingdom. But when the enemy sees a child of God, a man or a woman or a god or a family he's wondering how can i set up strategy to create dysfunction in this person's life god is all about establishing his kingdom and the enemy is all about establishing his but we as children of god are called to take territory for the kingdom of god to further the kingdom of god and there's no greater pleasure i believe that the enemy gets then when a Bible-believing, church-going, tongue-talking Christian loves the Lord but does not trust in his goodness, does not trust him, the enemy will set up so many circumstances and he'll barrage you. It's not, when it rains, it pours with the enemy, let me tell you. It's not just finances. It's finances, spouse, kids are acting crazy, 17-year-olds running amok, raised in church, all these different things. It comes all at once because he wants to overwhelm you and rob you of seeing how good God is. He will so entrap you and enthrone you in your problems that it takes the focus off of God to where your gaze is no longer here, your gaze is here. The Bible says, set your mind on things above, not things on earth where Christ is seated. We are spiritual beings having an earthly experience. And you know what I've found out over time? As God's trials lead, here's how, you wanna know how you know if something is God's will or from God or from the enemy? I'm gonna sum it up. You've probably never heard this before. Maybe you have. God's trials, here's how I know it's from the Lord. And I don't, then I don't, because I found before I have rebuked Satan and it was God. Oh, you've never done that? You know it's the Lord when the trial draws you to him. Yeah. So, so when you're going through something and God has created it, it drives you to your knees and it drives you to prayer and it drives you to intercession. It drives you to intercede. It, you, you feel that pool. You, you feel a dependency upon God all of a sudden, like, Lord, I know I can't, I can't make it without you. There's this drawing because he's shaping you in that. But temptation is different than testing. God tests the enemy tempts. There's a big, big difference. The enemy's trials; his strategy is to lead you away from God, not to God. So it, here's how you know the trial that you're facing right now, the thing that you're that, that that you're caught in the thick of, right in the middle of. If that thing is pushing you away from God's house, if it's pushing you away from prayer, if it's pushing you away from His Word, I can tell you right now that more than likely it's a set up strategy to defame God and to discredit God in your life. But let me tell you, if that thing that you're going through is the tears are coming from, Lord, I depend on you. Lord, I trust in you. Lord, I need to get to the house of the Lord more. I need to call my friend Janet so she can pray with me. Those type of trials, you can know God is using to shape you so that he can ultimately use you for his kingdom and for his glory. A test. Somebody say test. Is this good? is a procedure. I love that. I looked it up. I can't tell you where I found that. I found that online. as a description of what a test is, the definition. It's a procedure. In other words, he's working. Somebody say, he's working on me. He's carving me. He's working on me. It's a procedure intended to establish the quality performance or reliability of something, especially before it's taken into widespread use. Oh, that's good! Glory to God. Here's how you know it's not. Here's how you know it's not the enemy, is when God puts you in a time of testing when it when it builds Christ like character in you. Did you hear what it said? He's doing that to pro- to provide you with better quality so that you're better useful for the kingdom of God. It's better performance or reliability. You cannot trust somebody who's been saved six months to be used by God mightily. You, just can't, you can be used, but you cannot, you don't, go, don't go jumping in a pulpit and leading a church at six months old, okay? There's gotta be a time of texting because there's a procedure that God puts the believer through to make him equipped to do something for the kingdom of God. But tempting means to entice or attempt to entice someone to do something or to acquire something that they may find attractive, even knowing it might be wrong or non-beneficial. God will push you to your limits to grow you and use you. However, the enemy will tempt you to draw you away from God so that you missed your turn. You miss your destiny. Look at somebody and say, don't miss your destiny. Don't miss your purpose. And it all started back in the Garden of Eden. I don't have time to really address that, but that's the same thing. You see the difference between a test and a temptation? The Holy Spirit reminded me of that this uh, last night or the day before that there was a tree in the garden called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said, do not touch it nor eat of its fruit, lest you die. But then the enemy, see that was a test. Adam wasn't bothered with it, he wasn't tempted with it until the enemy came with a temptation. And he said, did God indeed say, do not touch it or eat of it? For God knows in the day that you touch it, you'll be like him, or if you eat of it, you'll be like him knowing good and evil. See the difference? God said, hey, listen, stay away from it. You don't need to touch it. God didn't give him any instruction as to why. The enemy goes and gives him every excuse why he should do it. You see that? He drew him away from God because he wants us to come out from underneath the umbrella of God's blessing and his protection. Everybody with me? Number two, the enemy, the reason for the fight is because the enemy wants us to get caught in a sin cycle, in a sin cycle, Somebody say sin cycle. What is the sin cycle? What greater society calls dysfunction. You know what the Bible calls? Generational curses. See, I knew it would be quiet up in here. This is not, this is not popular, but it's imperative that we understand this. The enemy's goal is to get us caught up in a routine, routine sin cycle. Because the Bible says this, whatever a man or woman soweth, that shall they reap. He doesn't just want you to sin one time or two times. He wants you to sin with your mouth over and over and over. Those who love their words will eat of its fruit. Do you see that? So he wants to to get you in a cycle, a routine of sinning. He, He doesn't want you to just fall into sexual sin. He wants you to repeat it you see that? He doesn't just want you to use your mouth as a dagger over and over to people uh, that you love, your spouse or friends or family. He wants you to do it routinely. He wants you to get caught in this sin cycle. And you know what a curse means? A curse simply means it's where God's kingdom, kingdom is not established. And it's simply an area that is devoid of God's presence and protection. That was the, that's the DSV version. <laughs> that's the Donnie Smith version. In other words, the enemy wants you to sin to where you're devoid of God's presence. And listen, God doesn't send curses. Somebody say that with me. God does not create curses. What a curse is is not something that God puts on somebody. Curses are an absence of God. Do you see that? A curse means he's absent. He can't, he's not, his favor's not there. His spirit isn't there. But the enemy is. Do you see? Because wherever he's absent... It's either one or the other, God or the enemy, hot, cold. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? So, so wherever God is not occupying, that's territory for the enemy to make it his playground. And so a curse simply means it's a place in my life. And did you know that you can be blessed in one area of your life and then have some issues in another? You can have areas of your life that where you are extremely blessed, where you feel the presence of God, you see the favor of God. And then there's other areas of your life that are devoid and dark Say amen, somebody. How many want the blessings of God in their life? How many want to launch an attack on the enemy? How many are tired of allowing the enemy to beat you up? Come on, we got to stand up as children of God and put on the armor and begin to fight back against the kingdom of darkness. I love this. You may not. If you see the enemy, I want you to to think about this with me, okay? Okay. If you see the enemy at work in your marriage, all the married couples say amen. Because it will happen eventually. Amen. He wants to create so much, so much sin cycle and dysfunction in that marriage that he causes a divorce. Guess why? Because he wants your children to see that because he, the enemy is concerned about your children and your children's children. Because he wants to keep the cycle. You see that? See, that's why, See, grandma struggled struggle with divorce and then now you struggle with it. This is, this is, not, this is not a flesh and blood thing. This, this is a generational thing. So he's, he's not just after you, he's not after stealing you of your happiness, but he's after keeping the cycle going. And the enemy doesn't want us to overcome anger problems. You wanna know why? Because he wants you to train your children to behave that way, because he's not just concerned about you, he's concerned about your children and your children's children. You want to think about alcoholism. The devil is not just concerned about you being bound with drugs and alcohol. He wants your addiction to not only take your life, but listen, it's not just about that. The devil is much more strategic than that. Somebody say he's strategic. He wants to rob you of time and energy and of your finances, and he wants your kids to see you drink that poison, not just to destroy you, right? Not just to destroy the family, but to keep it in the children's children's line because he is a generational thinker. He's a strategic thinker. Somebody say, today. Today, we're putting a bloodline of Jesus Christ in our life, and the enemy's not going to be able to step over. He's not going to be able to touch our children's children. The curse is broken today. Today. In Jesus' name. When it comes to sexual addictions, oh no, the enemy, oh, he's much smarter than that. He's not just worried about you sleeping with someone outside of marriage. He's much more strategic than that. He wants to keep the generational sin in the family line. You don't just struggle with it. If you do a little bit of research, uh, if you did know your father, see, I didn't really have my father in my life. I was only nine years old, but then I begin to think about and I begin to interview certain family members and I begin to find out that my dad had struggles that I begin to struggle with. So I begin to put two and two together because the devil is a generational thinker. So if you struggle with it, more than likely daddy struggled with it. If your mom struggled with that issue in her life, more than likely you struggle with that issue in your life because you're not fighting grandma or you're not fighting mom. You're not fighting just sins. You're fighting some generational things that have passed down the family line. You're fighting them same demons that had them bound and had them shackled in chains. Is this okay? We dressed all those outward sins that we're talking about, but I want to talk about some more subtle ones. Because you don't see gossip. Well, I got that from gospels, you know, I grew up gospel. You don't see just pride and arrogance. We can't forget those little traps, pride and arrogance. The very attitude, that very spirit that got Lucifer kicked out of heaven. If God had a hard time being in a relationship with The enemy, Lucifer, and kicked him out of heaven because of it. How much more would a a wife or a husband deal with somebody who's arrogant and prideful and who's never wrong? The enemy wants your kids to see that displayed in their life, to keep that generational thing, that generational pride going and going, so it destroys relationships in their lives. Same thing with gossip. Same thing with other sins that we don't talk about. Today, we call them issues, but I call them devils. I'm being a little bit spiritual. I do believe that people, there are some people who simply have character problems, but can I tell you behind every sin is some form, fashion of darkness, some form or fashion. Sin simply means it's a root from the wicked one. So godly attributes come from a godly character, being God, fruits of righteousness, joy, hope, Love. Kindness, goodness, meekness, all the fruits of the Spirit. When you're, when you're seeing that at work in the believer, that is not just the flesh. That's not just your personality. That is the Spirit of God at work in that person's heart. When you're seeing them display the character of Christ. When you see unforgiveness, when you see hatred, when you see addiction, when you see sexual immorality, you may not want to hear this, but the enemy is at work in the character of that person's life. And that he's not just there to destroy you, he's out to destroy everything that comes behind you as it relates to your family line. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Third reason, almost done. The reason for the fight is because the enemy doesn't want to just get you in this sin cycle. He wants to ensnare you. Somebody say ensnare. I looked up that word, and that simply means to catch, capture, trap snare, entrap, or bag. I kind of like that word. Kind of put us in the bag, so to speak, to get us trapped. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 through 9, it says this, Be sober and be vigilant. Somebody say, "Be be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion excuse me, roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Everybody say resist him. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. I, I love to, I'm not a huge TV guy. I, I, I think I used to be. Um, I, I, but I still watch TV weekly. And one of my favorite things to watch is like Animal Planet, like how many know the Earth shows and they like, you know, there's a narrator. Literally, I could watch that stuff for hours. My wife has to peel me off of it. Saturday morning I started watching it. She got mad at me. She's like, You're watching it without me? Anyway, I'm a bird watcher. I go to nature preserves and things like that. I'm a huge bird watcher. Love eagles and outdoors. I don't know what it is. My mom said we had Indian in our blood somewhere. I don't know. I just loved outdoors. But I love watching these shows, uh, even hunting. And I was always watching one of these shows. I, I watch how hunters um, trap their prey. And, and you, can, you can't just be an inexperienced hunter in order to trap prey. You have to be an experienced one. You have to understand the, the, the mating patterns and the, and, and, the, and the animals' traveling patterns in order to trap them. And, and I was thinking about this. The enemy studies our lives. He understands our propensities. He understands the generational sins. He understands what tempts us. Temptation simply means something that you want to do that you know is wrong. He understands all of that in our lives. This is why the Bible says, crucify the flesh, right? Give no place for the devil. Is because the enemy often uses our appetites to cause us to harm ourselves. And so I was thinking about this. The enemy oftentimes will study our lives. He knows the trails that we take. He understands our patterns of life. And therefore, he sets traps for us. And I love how this scripture addresses that because it says, your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Have you ever seen a lion stalk its prey? It goes back and forth. It doesn't pounce on him right away. He waits for opportune times. And that's what the enemy does oftentimes in our lives as it results, as it results to sinful draws in our life. He will set up strategy. He, will, he understands our pattern. He knows what's gonna draw us away from not only our friends and our family, but he understands what'll draw us away from God ultimately. And that's why the Bible says, stand steadfast and resist him. Kill the flesh. Somebody say, kill the flesh. Destroy the flesh. In other words, destroy the ungodly appetites that you know hurt you and harm you in your life. And I started thinking about, you know, generationally, as I was uh, talking about before on how the enemy studied our family lines as well. And I was thinking about even suicidal thoughts. Some people in this room aren't battling outwardly. They're not battling in their finances, but maybe they're dealing with suicidal thoughts. Understand, that's inspired by the enemy. That's an attack of the enemy. We're in a spiritual battle, amen? Drug addiction, promiscuity, alcoholism, molestation, divorce, poverty, sexual integrity, insecurity, sickness, mental issues, emotional issues, relational dysfunction, anxiety, anxiety, All these certain things the enemy uses to set traps in our lives, to keep the patterns in our lives going because he wants to ensnare us and ultimately destroy us. Which leads me to my last point. I wanna shorten it today. He wants to destroy us. In John chapter 10, verse 10, one of my favorite scriptures, Uh, you can come up if you uh, worship team. Um, It says this, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I love this. It's written in red. But Jesus said this, but, everybody say but. But Jesus says this, but I have come that they may have life and life more abundantly or life to the fullness. The enemy has one ultimate goal. If you walk away with anything today that I've said, I know I've talked fast. And I've come with kind of a punch, so to speak. Understand that the enemy of your soul has one ultimate goal for you, to separate you from the love of God, from the fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and from the redeeming blood of Jesus. Did you hear what I said? In other words, just as much as God has a tremendous plan for your life, the enemy also has his own plan for your life. And it's not a good one. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says this, I have plans to prosper, you saith the Lord, to give you a hope, to give you a future, to bless you, to bless your children. That's, now I'm beginning to interpret that. But you understand that God has a design for you. He has a purpose. He has a plan. He has a will. I mean, a specific will, not some gray areaed will. He doesn't just want you to just go to work, go through the motions, pay the bills, live, die, and have enough money to bury yourself in. No, that's not God's plan. God has a a plan to to, to do something with your life, to use your life in ways that would, the Bible says, excuse me, I'm always saying the Bible says, but how many wanna know what the Bible says instead of Fox News and CNN and CBS and all these other news stations? He He has exceeding plans, exceeding, somebody say exceeding far above all that we could ever ask or think, more than we could ever think or know. In my hearts, in my holy imagination, I I see, I used to go hunting. I don't do it so much anymore. I don't have the time for it. Um, Coyotes are becoming a huge problem, um, particularly um, in the Disney area where there's a lot of wooded areas and hogs and and, and these coyotes. And, And one way that the enemy Excuse me, the hunter, the enemy, the hunter, the hunter, the enemy. The way he captures these wolves or these coyotes, call them coyote if you're country like me. You you take a large knife that's serrated and and really, really sharp and you dip it in livestock's blood. Livestock meaning cows, chickens, uh, goats, whatever it might be. And you take the knife and you dip it In the blood, because coyotes have a really good sense of smell. It's probably ten or fifteen times more than humans. And you stake it in the ground and you leave it there for a few days. And then the coyote will smell the blood, you know, from a half a mile away or what have you. And he comes trotting along in the evening and he begins to lick the blood off of this knife. He begins to lick it over and over again until that blood is gone, but it doesn't really notice that with each lick, it serrades its tongue and cuts its tongue. And so 30 minutes and an hour go by, and this coyote is still licking the blood off of this knife, not knowing that the hunter knew that this coyote would be attracted to to the scent of this knife. Isn't that like sin in our lives? The enemy knows exactly what gets our attention. He knows if it's women. He knows if it's drugs. or you know, For those of you, it may not be that. Maybe he knows that you have a propensity uh, to get angry. Maybe, maybe he knows that you, you, you your, 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 your knife or your, that, that scent that you have or that taste for blood that you have might be um, a certain way of negative thinking. Maybe it's depression. Maybe you get... To, to a funk where you, you just can't snap out of it and you get trapped. Whatever, whatever that is that draws you, you do the interpretation. But with every lick, that coyote is beginning to bleed out and he's eating his own blood until they find the coyote dead next to the knife the next morning. And that's just like in our lives. And, and my prayer this morning as you, as you stand to your feet is I pray that you would identify the issues that you have in your life that draws you, that ultimately is out to hurt you and harm you, the thing that the enemy can use in your life, whatever it is, whatever it is. You might think, oh, this is for sinners. No, this is not for sinners. I've sat with pastors, I I sit with ministers all the time and their lives are berated with those knives surrounding their lives as my heart grieves. Some of them, we're in an interesting day to say the least. But I believe God is calling us all back to holiness. He's calling us all back to righteousness. Not not because, he, not because he, he, he wants to strain our life from fun. and No, he wants you to enjoy life. He said, I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. How many want to enjoy life? How many want to be rid of the things that, that kill us and that harm us both spiritually speaking and the things that we put in our bodies physically speaking as well? I was thinking about this, I think you'll get a kick out of this. I thought about out of all the places that Lucifer got kicked out of heaven, out of all the places God could have banned him to go, why would he stick him in the earth? Hmm. Interesting thought, have you ever thought about that? I started thinking to myself, my imagination as a preacher, I'm a creative thinker, so I was just thinking, What if God sent Lucifer here for us to teach him a lesson? I'm gonna let my kids deal with you. (laughs) Think about that. God said, you gotta go. He could have sent him into the galaxy. He could have sent him to Venus. He could have sent him to Saturn. He could have banned him from the whole world yet. He said, I'm I'm gonna stick you where my creation is. And if you think that's unbiblical, how about we just read Job together? God allowed Job to be tempted by the devil just to prove the devil wrong about Job. Could it be that God is allowing some things maybe in your life, maybe the enemy is loose in your life to prove the enemy wrong? Don't prove God wrong, stay faithful. No matter what you're going through in your life, no matter what unanswered prayer you may be facing in your life right now, no matter how many attacks, how many barrages are coming at you, when all hell is breaking loose, this is when the rubber meets the road, this right now, It proves everything. And it oftentimes determines on where you go next in God. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.